everybody, and welcome to the Fortress of Comic News, episode 182. I am one of your hosts, Chris, alongside, please, when he's walking down the streets of New York, don't punch him in the face, Mike. Oh, man, you know, out of all the, listen, out of all the random acts of violence to be happening in the world, Rick Moranis, people, uh, listen, I want Rick Moranis back in movies as badly as everybody else does. But you punch this guy in the face, he's not coming back to movies anymore. So, (laughs) this is the political statement. This is just people. But, like, people got more worked up about Rick Moranis getting, like, sucker punched in the streets in New York. Right. Than they did about Trump getting Corona. Like, literally, the news coverage was, like, double. Oh, yeah. Because, number one, it distracts us from everything else going out in the world. (laughs) Number two, Rick Moranis was in Spaceballs, ladies and gentlemen. That man is a national treasure. You do not you like the words out of my mouth. National is, treasure. Yeah, it is. It is a bipartisan agreement <laughs> that Rick Moranis be protected at all. And there's probably a bill in the Constitution right now that says protect Rick Moranis at all costs. He might make another Honey I Shrunk the Kids in, in 2025 or something. Listen, I'm calling on all uh, senators, uh, congressmen, and the president of the United States to pass a bill to condemn all hate groups against Rick Moranis. I think that should be the there, we should focus on right now. You know, there's you wouldn't you wouldn't think you'd have to do that. And here's a guy like that made his money, did his work, put in his time with several different uh, franchises. Right? We got. Um, uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. We got Ghostbusters. We got uh, Spaceballs. And we got uh, Little Shop of Horrors, right? Uh, was he in that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was. I, I forgot think. about that. Yeah. I mean, come on, it's Rick Moranis. I mean, this guy. And then he just, what does he do? He stops making movies to raise his children. Like, how wholesome is that? that you know? That's like that's the American dream be, right there. He wants to be a good dad, right? Yeah. He doesn't want to glow and, you know... And make keep making movies and don't stop making movies like uh, I I don't know like Clint Eastwood or whatever the hell. But I also want to call out uh, national terrorist uh, Ryan Reynolds right. for bringing him out of retirement yeah. and putting the bullseye on him. This is your fault, Ryan. Yeah, this in the Green Lantern movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, he already had that hanging over him. Now he's got this, but. Yeah, Rick Moranis got sucker punched. Uh, I can't. I can't imagine he got sucker punched because he was Rick Moranis. But I mean, these random acts of violence happen. They're shameful and they're not welcomed. And Rick Moranis, man, I hope you're okay. I know he had to go to the hospital and stuff like that. But man, yeah, I, I grew up watching that guy. You know, like all jokes aside, like it's a constant thread throughout our show. But like, be better and don't be a piece of shit. Like, is that, is that really that hard? Just don't punch people. If you want to go home, punch a wall. You know what I mean? Or like, I don't know. Listen, I offered this up to my boss, who got very mad, and started punching steel poles, which ended up badly for him. Um, I have Megatron punching bags that look like the Megatron from the movies, so you can get extra mad at them. Oh my god! I will send them out to somebody if they need something to punch. I'm just saying, like this cinematic. Accuracy is not what I wanted. <laughs> punch, punch. I don't even. Where's his head? I can't even tell. Is this even a. Is this a Decepticon? I don't fucking it's just know. Just a glob of metal. What the <laughs> fuck? It's just a smoke monster, but he's a metal monster. Anyways, welcome to the show, everyone. We don't have an interview. We're just talking about.
Rick Moranis the whole episode. Anyways, uh, hey Rick, hope you're doing well. Um, really sad and shameful. I didn't think America could stoop this low. That's that's as low as you can go, man. Sucker punching Rick Moranis, like it's you know it's the end times. It is. That, is upon us. Yep. Um, I guess we'll just jump in, jump into the news with that. Uh, before I jump into the news, I do want to give a shout out to the quality of um, audiobook with the Sandman audiobook. I know I talked about starting that. I am on like episode eleven or twelve. I cannot get over how well done this is. I mean, I've read Sandman up through a few volumes, and I think I'm at the point now where I finished the volumes, and now I'm I'm getting past that with audiobook. The quality is like, I mean, you got Andy Serkis doing a variety of characters. That alone, take your money, right? But Mm -hmm. the music, um, the background noises, the voice acting, everything is spot on. And it's very cinematic, even though it, it reminds me of like one of those old school like Orphan Annie radio shows, with, like Superman and stuff. Yeah, I'm and I I'm down for this for more graphic novels. Like, please do this, DC. Which we'll talk about later in the show. But real yeah. quick, I don't know if you saw, because um, I don't know if you go through like previews like I do. But the DC Connect, which is DC's previews, yep. they're making a physical version of that, too. So, like, you can get it. I don't know if it's going to be a CD or what it's going to be, oh. but they're going to be able to sell it in comic stores. Interesting. Which is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, hopefully that gets that people past that barrier from the comic shop to the audiobooks. And I think it's a great idea because, like, I would it's love to listen to It's not expensive either. Really? Yeah. It was 10 bucks. Like, Oh, that's awesome. How much does it cost to get audio or audible? Uh, audible, that, yeah. Right? It's like 20 bucks a month and you get yeah. like a, yeah. But I, for sure, like, if they did one for like Kingdom Come and stuff like that, oh yeah, I'd, I'd be, I'd, I'd listen to Kingdom Come. And so I, I want to also um, apologize to every guest we've ever had because I've been doing interviews recently and being on the other side of an interview is fucking weird, dude. Is it? Weird. Because we've been interviewing people forever, and right. yeah. it's—I think we—I think we do a decent job of it. Um, I even said oh, on no, one of the shit. shows, anyway. <laughs> I even said on one of the shows that I've always felt that our job as an interviewer is to facilitate somebody else telling their story more than anything else. Like that's right. what we're there for. And you got to keep them on the idea of like we're here to promote whatever they want to promote. Like yeah, let's circle back to. But there was a few times where I got shot with questions I didn't have an answer for. And I just thought of all the times I've like come up with a question at the last second and been like, oh, yeah, well, what about this? What about that? And, right. And it, it it's tough. Like, it was weird. It was strange. It was tough. It was, but it was fun. What, and, what was, uh, what, like, what would be, a, give me an example. What would be a tough question for you? So, honestly, the toughest question I got, and it's because I haven't thought this far forward um, past because I, it, just want to make comics. Uh, right. Someone asked me like how I would cast battle monsters in a movie. Oh, and I just, I couldn't, I had, it took me a minute. I got there, but I had never thought about that before. Yeah. Also, there was a whole conversation about whether or not furries had come to support my book or not. And like that kind of threw me off. And so wow, my mind yeah. immediately started going off into like the oh, porn God. version of battle monsters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> wow. But yeah, like, you know, simple questions like that. They're like, everybody's thought about that. It's like, no, I just wanted to make a comic. I've never thought about it being a movie. <laughs> never, never thought about the, the support of the furry community. Yeah, and like, okay, so who would be the main character? 
would you think, like Keanu Reeves? So what I came down to, and it's because I was trying to, also, you know me well enough to know that I know like three actors. Yeah, so So I went uh, Tom Holland for Lance. So he would play the lead. Okay. Um, The Rock for Drake, because Drake is Hawaiian. Yeah, big Jack. giant. Yeah, yep. And then, literally, my answer—I didn't know the woman's name—but the uh, Asian woman from Shield, Agents of Shield, oh, who's okay. also a Mandalorian. I realized yep. after the interview, but, um, and yeah, that was my casting. It's terrible casting because I know three actors. <laughs> but like, you still need characters for the the CGI portion of some of the monsters, right? Uh, it's Andy Circus. Like that's Andy Circus. Oh. It's CGI. You Andy there's only one man you can hire. Andy Circus. All of the all of the monsters. Yeah. He'll like Planet of the Apes. Like he'll just play all the monkeys. Like, well, we fine. need the budget to pay Andy Circus, and then everybody else. We don't have to spend money on anything else. <laughs> yeah, and uh, James uh, James Gunn's brother. Maybe yeah, James Gunn's brother, Will Smith's son. Yeah. Um. You know all the other B actors who are only there because. Yeah, I thought I was hoping you would have said like Bruce Campbell, maybe because he has some experience fighting armies of darkness. And that's true. Bruce Campbell could be the professor. How about that? Yeah, and I was thinking Bruce Campbell professor, professor, like the the drunk professor that's like, what do you guys want? I think it'd be perfect. (laughs) Oh, I can see it unfolding now. That's a great cast. Tom Holland and Bruce Campbell opposite each other on screen. Who would not want that? Oh, man. A young lad at the beginning of his career, an old man who should have died out years ago. Like, this is great. And The Rock. And The Rock. (laughs) China will love this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. It's been fun, though. It's been really fun going on other podcasts. That's cool. Especially since they all have acknowledged that I'm also a podcast host. And yeah. it makes me feel good knowing that other people know that I have a podcast. That's really cool, man. Yeah. They're like, you do that podcast with that asshole guy who doesn't do anything. You got shout outs. Don't worry. You got shout outs. I did? Outs. Oh. Yeah. oh. I'll have to listen for that. Well, why do you pitch it? Can you pitch what a podcast you've been on? Or do you, do you. So one of them doesn't come out for like two weeks. So they're all like, they record way ahead of time. Uh, oh, uh, oh, they're, oh see, they're really, they're really like professional and actually oh, they're way know. more professional than us yeah um <laughs> one was uh if you remember nick gorman um yep. yeah gorman we had him on the show um mm-hmm. he does a youtube slash podcast show um where he records himself drawing and then does kind of an interview over top of it and he actually recorded himself drawing the pinup he did for battle monsters oh cool so he asked me to do it um and i was happy to because nick's good people yep um so it has, I think that's a month away, he said, which is weird, too, because we had some, like, deep conversations, one about uh, X-Ray Robot and how I'm mad it's not back, and then this week I got to read issue two. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then the other one I did recently was I Freaking Love Comics. Oh, um, And, yeah, so, so do I. <laughs> and they have three hosts, which was... I don't know. I couldn't do three hosts. Yeah. I don't know if I, I. We probably could pull it off. We We've have done it. The Travis Holyfield's triple hosted with yeah. us before. The Travis Gibbs. The Travises. Yeah, Travis Gibbs. But yeah. Um. But they were fun. They're really good. And uh, they're also like one of the the 
I forget the woman's name that's on the show, but she's from Australia. So we got to talk about kangaroos and didgeridoos. Giant Uh, man-eating spiders. No. And dingo Uh, babies. Dingo dingo babies. Dingo babies. Nice. Nice. You know. Australian racist shit, so. Yep. Anybody anybody listening at this point is is wondering has this just been a plug for Battle Monsters for this My whole life day? has been a plug for Battle Monsters and, Mike and you're you're damn right it has been this episode is all about promoting Battle Monsters <laughs> um, I just want to say like inter- being an interviewee is yeah. not easy but it is fun Yeah yeah I I I've never been interviewed for podcasts but I've been interviewed for jobs and I will say I hate those like questions that you almost know the interviewer doesn't want to ask. I don't, and I feel like we don't ask a lot of those. We kind of just let people talk and do their thing, and we kind of guide them along the way. We don't do like pre-written questions, but yeah. At no point in your career do I see someone asking you in an interview, "Have you gotten any support from the furry community?" Right, where it's like I don't want support from them. Probably, I mean, me personally, but. Well, I'm saying I'm talking along the lines of like the questions of like name a name an incident where you gave 110 percent or like name your biggest weakness. And it's like, what? My weakness is I try too hard or some bullshit like that. You know what I mean? Like, those are the worst questions to ask people. Yeah, I hate those because they're they're so scripted at this point, too. Yeah, they're just non questions and non answers. My weaknesses are also my strengths. Right. And it's like I, I feel like we stick to the, you know, the origin story and then. Depending on where that goes, I mean, we could ask a variety. I mean, listen to our last interview, folks. <laughs> we really didn't have to ask much to to. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. To talk about that. Um, that was a great interview. Yeah, I almost want to like retire from interviews. And and that and that's part of the reason we can't we can't do pre scripted interviews because like a lot of that stuff's natural. You know what I mean? Like just telling the stories just kind of flows, and you get into like, oh well, you know. Oh, you you like this fandom, or oh, you want to talk about this more? And I don't know. And that's that's what you get when you come to Fortress Comic News. Since we got a van for time, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but peeking behind the curtain for everybody. Like, yeah, we've we've had a few instances where people have wanted to be on the show and maybe don't natively speak English, mm-hmm. and so they've asked for like questions ahead of time. And I, as much as I, I think it's happened three or four times as much as those books looked interesting and those people are interesting. I was like, it's tough because it's, it's so conversational for us. Right. It's so like, like just like, like, I I mean, I looked the people up, don't be wrong, but like for the most part, a lot of the stuff I have written down about people ahead of time aren't as important as I, they end up being in the actual interview. And I like it that way. Yeah. And then, and then they get into stuff that, like exclusive interview stuff that they give us that we don't even expect sometimes, you know, that they want to talk about. So what I'm trying to say is we're very fortunate to be where we are, to have people coming on the show. Very appreciative of it all, but please buy battle monsters. (laughs) 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 And with that, do you want to get in the news? Let's do it. All right. Thanks for everybody for sticking around. If you're still here, uh, (laughs) Marvel and Disney have found their Kamala Khan, for the upcoming Disney Plus series, Miss Marvel. Iman Vellani will play the teenage inhuman superhero. If you don't recognize the name, you are not alone. She's a newcomer for the acting world. So that's pretty cool. New, Some fresh new face on the big yeah. screen there. She is a baby. Yep. Um, because I, you know, I'm an old man. 
and anyone under the age of 30 now is uh, <laughs> a baby to me. Is a baby. No, she's like in her, she's a teenager, and I took a I took a look at her. You know, obviously because the looking up to see what she's done, everything. I was yep. like, she looks like in my eyes. If if you put her in front of me and said, "How old is this woman?" I would tell you she's like ten. Yep. I think she ended up being like fifteen or sixteen. Well, that's I mean that's kind of what they did with the new rendition of Miss Marvel, right? Like she was that young in the comics. Yeah, when they introduced Kamala Khan, she is very young. Yeah. Um, and I, so at first, I wasn't a fan of Kamala Khan. I didn't, I mean, I didn't check out too much of the stuff that she was in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the idea, like, A, it was in the middle of like the inhuman craze at Marvel, and I just didn't care. Um, but then she like popped up in uh, Avengers and she popped mm-hmm. up in Champions. And I was like, okay, she's an interesting supporting cast character. Yep. And I think, honestly, my favorite. Or the thing that's made me kind of a fan of hers is that of a uh, Avengers video game. Mm-hmm. Like she's really well done in that. She's much more. She's still kind of like on that cusp of like sixteen, seventeen. Yep. But she has almost a a fangirl style, but at the same time, like she's very adult. I, I really enjoyed that version. So I hope they stick with that and try to fade away from too much of the the kitty nature that she gets into in the comics, but. But also the uh, Middle Eastern representation. Yes, and that's big too. Um, and they actually—that's another thing in the video game that they get into. Like mm-hmm. her costume is very much uh, revolves around her heritage, and yep. uh, she has parts of her suit that are stuff that I'm very ignorant about because I don't have right. a lot of Middle Eastern people in my life. Yep. Uh, and I just think it's really cool that that's there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's become as popular as she has due to all that, too. So I'm down for it. <laughs> you know, DC is like, shit, we really got to get Black Adam out of there. We don't have any Middle Eastern representation. <laughs> we got we to gotta do this. Oh, they got that Green Lantern. Yeah. The gun. Like, yeah. that was a good idea, DC. Yeah. <laughs> Here's our Middle Eastern Green Lantern. He Give has him a, a gun. He has a gun. Great stuff. Because that's what you want out of your intergalactic police forces to have a handgun. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, the boys still going strong. Did you watch it this week? I did. Uh, this Last was kind week? of a, a big episode for the season, mm-hmm. and I, I actually never looked it up. I don't think it's the last episode, but a yeah. better fucking not be the last. Episode. Yeah, I think it's only episode seven. I don't think it they end the. Yeah, I don't think they end the season on seven episodes. So, um, uh, shiny girl, the the starlight. The Starlight, thank you. Yep. Starlight gets captured. Yep. And uh, Huey has to go and save her, and he gets a lamplighter to help him. And a lamplighter decides that he's just going to kill himself. So oh. that happens. Uh, and there's also an amazing scene of Huey and lamplighter just sitting around uh, watching porn based yeah. on the seven, which is hilarious. That's awesome. Uh, but the the A story was kind of was. Actually, that was the C story. The B story was that Butcher went back to home to see his dad before he dies. Yeah, and I, know not... who, I know who plays his dad. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. And it doesn't end well. Uh, and then kind of the A story is that everybody else is trying to get these pieces together to uh, bring a bunch of evidence to Congress yeah. against Vought superheroes. And Lamplighter was supposed to be one of those before he decided to kill himself. Mm-hmm. And they end up getting the Vought, the ex-Vought COO to oh. uh, 
Spock. And he's also the one that basically made Homelander and raised Homelander. So that's kind of that's the main crux of the whole story. Uh, if you don't want spoilers, jump ahead like a minute because they get there and everybody's there. And actually, Homelander's uh, being very polite, and then just heads start exploding. Mm. And so they're trying to rush people out. Uh, they have a congresswoman who's a ba- basically AOC. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's who they're really pushing her to like be like in terms of yeah. her real world counterpart. And uh, they ha- they're trying to save her. She ends up making it out, but like the COO has had explodes. A bunch of random superheroes had explodes. It's basically the red wedding for this show, mm-hmm. without like killing a major character, right? Um, and Homelander. It seems like Homelander might be a part of it because he just kind of stands there with uh, Stormfront. But they don't tell you either way. So basically, their whole plan to go in front of Congress is fucked. <laughs> well, the the whole head exploding happens with the CIA person as well. So remember when the Mother Milk is talking to the original CIA? Yes. Person, her head explodes. So that's correct. Yes. So something's going on. And there's a few other storylines going. Like it's kind of a very dense episode. A lot happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's they kind of come up and talk to people. They do like a rally with people about the supervillains. Um, the show opens with a way too real sequence with a gentleman going out to buy whatever beer, coffee, whatever he's going to mm-hmm. and runs into a man who he believes to be a supervillain, shoots him in the face. Oh, um, and yeah, so it's, it's a lot. It's a very, it's an important episode. It's kind of the, uh, this is the episode that this season's going to kind of hinge on. Okay. Uh, so I really liked it. I thought it was great. A lot of good stuff happened. Cool. And also, I learned something new about that spinoff show. Mm-hmm. So apparently they were supposed to be filming season three soon. Yep. And anyone that knows production, there's always uh, the scheduling, especially with actors, get them in. And actually, Carl Urban is the reason that this spinoff show might have happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they need a season three. And right now, not only can Carl Urban not get into the country, but he also has a conflict with another movie oh. coming up. So they were going to push it so that hopefully he could get back into the country because there's a travel ban in the United States currently. Right, right. And he had to tell them, like, but I've already committed to this. Oh. So I almost wonder if they're going to go through with the spinoff to kind of push season three forward a year, maybe. Yeah, and get everybody still into the boys. It's yeah, it's all speculation in the window because you can't do the yeah. boys without Butcher. Right. I mean, I mean, Carl Urban is in high demand. He's such a great actor. So yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, boys is awesome. Movies. Uh, rumors are heating up for the upcoming Spider-Man 3 movie. The MCU movie will be rumored to bring the fan favorite story Enter the Spider-Verse to live action with the casting of Jamie Electro. Rumors continue to gain traction. That's cool. If you tell me that Tobey Maguire and big hair British dude are coming back for, for Spider-Man, and if you tell me that Nick Cage shows up as Spider-Noir... I am so excited. Why not? I, d- I don't know if they're going to go as far as to create new Spider-Man. Well, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I could be wrong, but 
you can't have an Into the Spider-Verse without a... I mean, they have to do um, the other Spider-Man. I can't think Miles. of Miles. You gotta Miles. bring Miles Yeah, in. you gotta yeah. bring Miles in, right? Yeah. That's, that's a huge part of it in the spider I mean, Miles is the crux. If you go back to the comics, Miles is right. the reason the Inner Spider-Verse exists. Right, you gotta have Miles. So, I'll be happy if this means that Spider-Man 4 is a Miles movie. Um, I wasn't a fan of Jamie Foxx's Electro, though. I mean, I didn't care. I, I don't know. I... Those movies were all fine to me. Like, if you bring if you bring Willem Dafoe back, though, dude, holy shit! So like, there's there's a bunch of rumors spread around about this movie. You know, th- yeah. this is the crux of it. Right. But it's also that they're they've been building up a uh, Sinister Six. Mm-hmm. So maybe whatever new Avengers we get, we'll fight the Sinister Six. Maybe if the Sinister Six are like the Spider-Man villains from out the throughout the like. Uh, Michael Keaton, Willem Dafoe, Jamie Foxx. Oh, Doc Ock, maybe? So they would have to... So, yeah, because they introduced Scorpion yeah. at one point, um, like, as a kind of a throwaway character. Right. Yeah, they have Vulture. Who's the villain in two? Mysterio. Mysterio. You could do Mysterio. Doc Ock's the key there. You gotta introduce new Doc Ock because well, who, I mean, who else would find about inner inner different universe travel, like multiverse travel? Doc Ock could figure it out. I feel like, yeah. And I just think Doc, if you're gonna do Sinister Six, Doc Ock is important. Like he's he's the linchpin of that group. Dude, start the movie with a scene from Sam Raimi's Spider Man with Doc Ock, and then like have him jump into the multiverse or something. Oh my god. Please. I love the Raimi Spider-Man movies. I did like Raimi's Doc Ock. Like, that Spider-Man yeah. 2 movie was really good. I don't care what anyone says. Uh, I don't think anybody's... Dude, any movie... Well, Spider-Man 1, but any any movie you put Macho Man, Randy Savage in, and Bruce Campbell, come on. Awesome. Bonesaw. Bonesaw is ready. That's the most quotable line from any... I don't know why. Every time I hear three minutes, it's like a involuntary reaction of like three minutes of playtime you know what i mean like you're going nowhere all right i'll stop i'm sorry did you see that somebody found an easter egg from that movie like just two weeks ago maybe what was it it's so someone during that sequence they have somebody in the stands holding up a sign Uh that says uh uh jumping jack murdoch oh really yeah oh that's awesome which just made me smile i just dude Daredevil and, reference, come yeah. on. Like, well, someone pointed out in the dinner scene that, and I think I brought it up on an earlier podcast, that uh, Osborne and Parker are wearing their opposite colors just in suit yeah. form. Yeah, and I was like, I never noticed that. Like, Sam Raimi gets it, man. And I, was, I just watched Evil Dead last night. Uh, my, only, my only complaint. Yeah. My only complaint about that movie. I think Willem Dafoe does a great, like, psychopath. Right. I think it is an okay goblin. Yeah. That sequence where it's them like arguing is just yeah. two action fi- like they just held two action figures up to a camera and were like meh, 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 meh. It's yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's funny. It's good movie though. I don't care. Good. Um podcast news. Um Holy shit. What? As part of a Warner Brothers deal with Spotify, DC has announced that their first original audio dramas to come will be Batman Unburied, written by David S. Goyer. So you got a you got a cinematic writer here, 
Um, and involved with Batman Begins, I believe. Yes. Yep. And I, I believe, I believe he wrote Man of Steel and Justice League. I think he was on all of those. I believe. Okay. He has writing credits for all. Of, I think all the DC cinematic stuff. Um. Yeah. So that's interesting. You know, Spotify. I mean, I already get Spotify Premium, so I wonder if I'm going to have to pay any extra. But I. I'm all down for these audio dramas. I mean, I love podcasts and anything revolving DC. I think, but this is also this is a this is an original story too, which is also interesting. Which I kind of like. I yeah. like I Marvel did it with the Wolverine ones, yeah. and I never actually listened to them because I just uh, Wolverine doesn't do it for me. But I would almost prefer that you just write an original story and make it into a audio drama than to just like as much as you said you would love it earlier i would prefer that over like kingdom come the audio drama <laughs> yeah not to say i wouldn't listen to kingdom come the audio, audio drama. <laughs> i'm like, just saying i would prefer an original story i want it all if they're gonna do it all give me all <laughs> if you can do all that's fine if yeah. i have to choose between the two i'm saying original would be better i mean there's still a lot of stuff i want to read out there that i haven't and the audiobook helps me get like I never finished Sandman just because of the time, mm-hmm. and I think I was traveling and I left my one of my trades like on a plane somewhere and I couldn't get myself to like buy it again because <laughs> I was just so stupid that I left. But anyways, yeah, I agree with you. It's, it it'll be interesting to be listening to something not ex- like it'll be like an audio because you're not expecting anything to happen, right? You're just like what what could happen? It, yeah. Now I'm excited for like casting news. Oh yeah, for voice acting. Yeah, Andy Serkis, every character, except for Batman's got to be a. Oh please, yeah. please, it's got to be. Um, Kevin Conroy. Yeah, damn, I'm thinking about that now. It's gonna be excited. Uh, comic news. So we've been talking about this a little bit, and it's created a lot of controversy within the Magic: The Gathering scene because I currently play Magic, a big, big fan. Love all the magic stuff. Everybody. Um, I and I loved when they. So the issue here is they're making new cards. They're making them Walking Dead themed. They're also making these brand new cards to the scene. And what happens is that usually they'll ban these cards from professional play styles. Like you have different types of magic that you can play in tournaments. The problem is they're making these cards, and it's part of the Secret Layer series, which is like usually. Alternate versions of cards that are already out that are popular, but they're cool art variants and they're foil and they're really nice looking. And you pay like a premium for them. You pay like 40 bucks for four to five cards. I, 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 I love some of these because they created land cards, which if everybody knows magic, you use land cards and all your magic decks. They made Godzilla lands. So there's, I paid 30 bucks for five single lands, which is a ridiculous amount, but I had to have them. Because each land had a picture of Godzilla or like Mothra, and it was like, how do I not buy these for myself? The problem here is these are new cards introduced into the scene that are completely like unique. There's never been a reprint of them, and they're also very powerful for the for the play style. So, so real quick, what's the news before we get into the minutia of it? Yeah, yeah. Now I'm going to talk about the news. Now now I got (laughs) it. So. The the news is um, they're gonna they're adding more and more cards each week and they haven't even I don't think the sale has started yet. Um, we start with the zombie token cards. Now they're adding card. Now they're adding uh, characters. So we have Rick Rick Fearless Leader. I think the name was 
We have Negan, the cold-blooded, Michonne, Ruthless Survivor, as creature cards. Um, and they've also added Glenn. Uh, I forget Glenn. I forget what Glenn was called. Glenn's been added, too. So we already had, like, five cards. Glenn looks like he's taking a shit in the picture. I'll have to send it to you because it looks awful. Like, the, the pose and the picture of his face they picked. So if you're a Walking Dead fan, this is great. If you're a Magic fan, these cards look awful. They're like, we talked about this, like digital renditions of, like, screenshots of the TV show, almost. They, yeah, they the two I saw, so anyone didn't catch, because I don't know if you said it or not, but these are Walking Dead trading cards, or yeah. Magic the Gathering trading cards based Walking on Walking Dead, Dead cre- or characters. Yeah. Um, the pictures I saw looked like, yeah, still images that were digitally painted over, yep. which I'm not against digitally painting over something. My current uh, business card and profile image is one of those done by my good friend, Nigel. But Walking Dead cards are usually like these original art pieces that are, or, sorry, Magic Gathering cards, usually these original art pieces that look mm-hmm. fantastic. Right. And they're usually done by painters. Yep. Um, and these just don't they kinda they don't hit that barrier that magic usually sets. Yeah. And I mean if you're a Walking Dead fan, please let us know if you are interested in buying these. But they released five cards now, and I think that's usually the sets are five for this. So it's usually five for like thirty to forty bucks. So yeah. I don't know if they're it, it'd be interesting to see how they're gonna sell. And that was my thing was I was I was interested in them thinking like 10 bucks. Yeah, no way. 15 bucks. 10 bucks each. And then you told me like, yeah, 40 and it's like I'm out. Yep. Because they would literally just be like a wall piece or something right. I put in a collection somewhere. Yeah. And they wouldn't be. Yeah, I don't play the game, so they have no use to me. Yep. Um, so that's that's that. I'm interested to see like when when they come out how they end up looking. Uh, DC has announced that we're getting an Earth or Wonder Woman Earth One Volume Three on March 9th, twenty twenty one. I'm excited for that. I love the first two volumes with the same creative team that did volumes one and two. And well, who's that creative team? It is Grant Morrison and Yannick Paquette. I have a I have a fantastic watercolor sketch of Swamp Thing on my wall from Yannick Paquette, and I tell you, one what of my favorite. Do? I do. I commissioned it. Oh, it was I don't think we ever talked about that. Oh, I, I'll send you a picture. Uh, it's one of my favorite original comic art pieces because I love his Swamp Thing run with Scott Snyder. Yeah. Um, in the New Fifty Two, and his art is amazing. And yeah, and it was fairly cheap. It was like I don't think I paid more than fifty to sixty bucks for it. And it, it's like watercolor painted. It, it's wow. Yeah, because he was like. Nobody, he was like up and coming, and I think it was before he did the Wonder Woman volume with Grant Morrison. And I was like, "Hey, dude, I'm going to be in New York City Comic Con. Can you do me a sketch, a head sketch, a Swamp Thing?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, I'd love to do that." And I was, and then, and then he added the color, like watercolor, to it. And I was like, "This guy is top notch." So, one of the, the people don't like to admit it, but a lot of good things come out of New Fifty Two. Uh-huh. One of the great things that came out of New 52 was not only that uh, Swamp Thing run, but yeah. also that Animal Man run that Lemire did. Oh, yeah. That crossed over with each other constantly. Yeah. But, yeah, he is... He has some of the best panel work mm-hmm. of anybody in the industry. And because he hand-draws all of his panels, 
Yep. And he puts like I remember when he's doing the swamp thing one. It was all like it was all swamp thing themed. So it was right. mossy and uh grass and flowers. Yeah, like the panels almost grow sometimes. Yeah. And then and, with yeah. I remember with uh volume one of Wonder Woman, he did a lot of like chains and different mm-hmm. things that went Wonder Woman y with mm-hmm. the, the book. So I am a big fan of his work too because not only is his art fantastic, but like the dude puts so much heart and soul into each mm-hmm. issue. Yeah. I just and I, I don't know if you remember, he did a Batman annual, I think, or he might have did a story for like when Detective Twenty Seven. He did some Batman story about like a and I remember I'll never forget there was like a spread page of like a multi like I think Batman goes into his own mind and sees like a multiverse of Batman and like when you open the splash page there's just like a universe and all these Batman and it's almost like splitting his mind and all these and it was like one of the best splash pages I've ever seen and I remember we talked about it but it was just like this guy is so good at doing art it's uh, I want him to do everything but you know probably takes quite a bit to do a page um so yeah yeah, those and I Grant Morrison on Wonder Woman, it was really good. And he really tries to stay true to the roots of the character and what he, he thinks she should represent. Also the vagina ship is cool too, so um or actually it's like a uterus. It's shaped the ship is shaped like a whole uterus, I think. I don't well, know if you remember that. I zoned out there for a second. I heard uterus. Yeah. Uh, you know, what you don't remember that? There's like a vagina uterus ship. In what? And Wonder Woman, Earth One. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Remember Grant Morrison was like, what What was she driving around? Oh, yeah. she. <laughs> well, that was one of the great things that Grant Morrison did was he right. went back to kind of the origins of Wonder Woman. Where, like, right. anyone that knows the story behind the creators of Wonder Woman, like, they were really into bondage and, oh, like, yeah. just freaky sex shit. Yep. And a lot of that came out in Wonder Woman. Hence why she's always in chains and she's always bonded together and all this yeah. other stuff. Like, yep. So, yeah. Grant Morrison gets it. Well, at least the origins of each character. Um, so this is pretty cool. Recent Fortress of Comic News guest and comic writer David Popose announced that his next title is coming from publisher Aftershock Comics. Uh, the series is called Scouts Honor and is about life after the apocalypse where the Boy Scouts manual becomes the foundation of a strict new doctrine for the world. The series will include art team... Luca Castellanguida and Matt Milla. So that's a pretty interesting concept. Like in a post-apocalyptic world, you're probably not going to rely on the Bible. You're going to rely on something that'll keep you alive, like the Boy Scout manual. And bam, now it's there as your as your yeah. new Bible. So when I talked to him, he hinted at like he didn't say what it was, but he's like, "Yeah, I'm doing something with a uh, publisher." And I. I remember I said a few, and one of them was Aftershock, and he just kind of smiled and said, I can't say. Um, Which I get it. That's the game. Um, This sounds cool. The art looks amazing. Like, the promo images you've been showing, if that's the art in the book, sign me up, because it looks great. Yeah. And the dude's just a good writer. Uh, He has a couple books under his belt that people really love. Uh, He actually... I think Patton Oswald Oswald uh, like recommended one of his books recently, mm-hmm. and uh, Aftershock's a great publisher. I love Aftershock books. Yeah, um, you know, friend of the show Stephanie Phillips does a bunch of books there. Uh, I Colin Bunn does a bunch of books there. Uh, come to think about it, a lot of our guests do books there. <laughs> <laughs> but, wait a second. 
But they do good stuff, and yeah. this book sounds cool. It sounds... I don't think I've ever heard this idea before. I mean, like, the idea of, like, the apocalypse and there's a new Bible. Yeah, that's happened, but mm-hmm. to do the Boy Scouts manual, like, that just sounds kind of unique and cool. Yeah, for sure. I think it's an interesting concept. So good for him. Yeah. Keep on trucking along, dude. Yep. And definitely come back to talk about it with us. Um, all right, so let's talk about the comics we read this week. I had quite a bit. What about you? I have quite a bit. I just didn't read quite a bit. Uh, okay. Just want to shout out to represent this week coming in strong. Um, okay, Injustice Year Zero, number seven. So this is the Tom Taylor book where he is doing like early Injustice stuff. Um, yeah, so basically where we left off was um, Alan Scott, possessed by the Joker, had killed uh, Wesley Dodds, the Sandman. And now he's in a coma. So um, Batman and Superman are investigating Alan Scott and his um, his partner. And they're trying to investigate, like, what happened? Like, why why was he on the cameras and why did he stab Sandman? Like, why would he stab Sandman? Um, and then Joker, in the meantime, is trying to uh, kill more heroes. So I think they go to Amazing Man's house. And there's this cool thing where, like, Amazing... I think can turn into whatever he touches, like whatever material he touches. So like he tries to murder him as the postman, but he's like touching the, the doorknob so he can turn himself into brass. Like the doorknob and the bullet doesn't do anything to him. And he's like, Oh shit, I messed up. And then he has the, he has the mailman kill himself. So he can't answer any questions because he can control people right now. Mm-hmm. Really crazy scene. Um, and it's staying true to the, like the whole injustice, like Holy shit moments, you know? Um, and then the end, like, Joker kind of takes out some of his frustration on Harley, like, throws her off the balcony, and she's, like, all beaten up and battered, and he, and she leaves. She up and leaves. So I don't know if that's, like, his attempt to get her to seek refuge with some of the heroes, and then he's going to, like, manipulate her. So that's kind of how the issue ends. Pretty interesting stuff. Three Jokers, issue two. Did you read this yeah. one? Yeah. Uh, interesting, I guess. Um. Jason Todd goes off on his own after the after the first issue where he kills one of the Jokers. He's all, you know, angsty and upset. Uh, Bat, Batgirl goes to Batman and is like, hey, you got a criminal on your hands. He's going around killing these Jokers. Um, between what Jason Todd is investigating and what Batman and uh, Batgirl are investigating, it kind of leads them to the same spot. Jason Todd gets there first, falls into the trap of two Jokers, gets the shit beat out of them. Um, and it, it like, breaks into the fact that, like, they kind of convince him that Batman was the reason that you're going through all this shit. Which, they're not wrong, but also, like, they're beating him to death. Um, so, there's that. But, uh, you know, they find him, and he's alive and stuff, and he's kind of, like, coming down from, you know, being beaten and all this stuff. So, he's staying with Batgirl. Uh, him, and, him and Barbara kind of kiss but then they regret it which is what i like like she regrets it and says that shouldn't have happened um which i'm okay with that i mean yeah like that was just a moment of weakness for her and maybe he was just feeling vulnerable or something i don't know but it was it was also a moment where like he was talking about how uh basically connecting their two big moments of killing joke and the death of jason todd yep and them connecting over their like shared pain 
So yeah. like, I, it really fit in that moment really yep. well. Yep. I agree. Um, and then it leads Batman to the, uh, to find Joe chill and Joe chills in uh, Blackgate prison goes there. He's not there anymore because he has cancer. Um, he's been moved to another wing. Come to find out Joker now has Joe chill and wants him to confess why he actually killed the, the Wayne parents. So apparently there's an ulterior motive here of why he actually killed Bruce Wayne's parents. And, uh, that's kind of how the issue ends, which is kind of interesting. So maybe that's linked to why there's so many different jokers. Yeah. And they also, uh, during the Jason Todd stuff with the jokers, like they were trying to push him to be the new joker, the next joker. Yeah. So he might still be, I don't know. Yeah. And I kind of hope that happens now. Yeah. And they made the, they made the comment like you're the red hood, you know, what happens after being the red hood, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And he was kind of thinking about it, and really there's not much they, more they can do with his character after, like, killing a Joker. You know, like, where does his character go from there? Um, He's kind of a one-note guy anyways. Like, right. I know there's fans of his out there that are mad at me. Yeah, he's he's the extreme Batman. Like, that's yep. basically what he is. So. Um, Batman Superman Annual Number 1. Great issue. Uh, very meta. It's Batmite and Mixaplix fighting over who would win in a fight, Batman or Superman. And it's awesome. They kind of manipulate the world um, to fit to fit their uh, to fit their whole I don't know, like I mean they're manipulating the real world to fit their argument. So like Batmite makes his argument and then Mixaplix makes his argument. Um, it's a really fun story. But, like, Batman and Superman in the real world realize, they're like, something's going on here. Like, we wouldn't actually fight each other. Um, and they kind of, like, help them realize that, too. Like, we wouldn't actually fight. But there's, like, crazy scenes of, like, mix of places, like, well, I don't care. I just, wanna, I, wa- I just want eight panels of them fighting. So then it's, like, eight panels of Batman and Superman fighting. And it's it's really cool. It's a great issue. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and obviously, it's Batmite and mix of places. I mean, those those are always fun characters, too. Yeah. Uh, Wonder Woman 1984 number one. So this is a movie tie-in, and there's like two big hints at movie stuff, and then everything else is just filler. Uh, the two big hints are like this is going to happen in the movie, but we're not going to tell you anything about it. So um, it's a museum heist story. I think it sets up the fact that uh, Minerva is who we know to be um, uh, Cheetah is starting at the museum as a uh like a rocks mineral specialist um kids at the museum they talk they see all these weapons and stuff they're like oh this is really cool all these warriors but also wonder woman kind of is you know not wonder woman right now she's the museum curator saying like well do you need compassion and a lot of these ancient fighting styles like sam um well not vikings but other um other warriors would always like choose uh, violence as like a last resort. So something happens or there's a big museum heist for a diamond. She fights them off as Wonder Woman. The kids kind of help and have this newfound like it's a really feel good issue. They have a newfound like appreciation for being a hero and what it means. Uh, meanwhile, at the end, uh, there's a package that comes for Minerva, um, and it's it's from the FBI for her to identify something. So. That's kind of that's kind of what it is. Like, okay, you know, she's working there, and now she has a package. The FBI wants to investigate something. So, bam, there goes the plot. 
Um, I'm sure it's a weird stone that she has to investigate or some type of gem, and that's probably where the whole plot unfolds. There's a second story in there with uh, uh, Steve Trevor and this this young kid that's like stealing other kids to do work. I think the only reason that story was put in to really establish that Steve Trevor's back somehow mm-hmm. and they're working together. So, um, yeah, I don't know if they're going to just start off the movie with him being back, which uh, this kind of tells me they might, which I don't really mind that. And then maybe we circle back like why he's there. Um yeah, overall, I mean, it's a little nice little intro for the movie. Not a whole lot tying to the movie, but Wonder Woman's cool. Legion of Superheroes number nine. This is the issue with like 20 different artists. Um, basically, the Legion is on trial with the United Federation of Planets um, of like why they're there. Did they break any codes of bringing Superboy to their timeline? They probably did. You don't. You shouldn't mess with time. Uh, basically, each... There's individual Legion superheroes uh, talking to the Madam President, um, and each story has its own artist and kind of like an origin story for different heroes within the Legion. Uh, the Legion is pretty much off the hook, but they talk about there's a big darkness coming, like a war or something is 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 approaching, um, and they need to prepare for it. At the end, Superboy's about to leave, and he kisses Saturn Girl, so I don't know if he's really going to leave now. Um, it was a pretty cool moment because, you know, Saturn girl can read minds and she's like, well, you've been thinking about kissing me since you started, you know, got here, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, geez. Um, so he kisses her naturally because he's Superboy. So I'm, I'm behind an issue. I didn't read this yeah. one, but yeah. it's funny you bring up that with Superboy because not only Superboy show up in action comics in right. current time, which they make sense of like, right. hey, Superboy and Brainiac are here on vacation and let's fight crime with them. Yep. But he randomly shows up in Teen Titans. Oh. Uh, Like, I haven't talked much about Teen Titans recently, but, like, Damien's gone insane. So I think this connects to what's going on in Batman. Like, isn't there a little, kind of a little kid called the Clown Hunter running around? Yeah, yep, there is. I think that's going to be Damien. Damien's, like, he killed one of the Mm supervillains, and now he's denounced being Robin. Okay. And so the Teen Titans are coming around trying to basically like stop him and bring him to justice. Mm-hmm. And then Superboy shows up and is like, hey, I need to talk to him. Interesting. So like he, yeah, he jumps between time all, all, all the time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So he's just yeah. all over the place. Yeah. Uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal Metalverse. Uh, this issue revolves around Owl Man, folks. I know Multiverse's we about- End. Multiverse's <laughs> End. Sorry. That's such a long title. I. <laughs> These Dark Knight Metal books are just like, whatever, just give me the latest Dark Knight Metal book, um, Death Metal book. We talked about Owlman a couple weeks, and we got him, folks. We got him the whole issue. Uh, Captain Carrot's in this issue. Um, basically, this is the story of what Perpetua was doing to rid the multiverse. She's destroying all these planets within the multiverse. Well... One of the planets we, I mean, we get Earth X, right? We get we get Nazis. Like Chris is probably excited about that. Not only do you get Nazis, you get Captain Carrot punching Nazis, Nazi superheroes, and Captain Carrot's fighting them. Like Captain Carrot shows up, it's awesome. I mean, he has like conversations with Guy Gardner, like what the hell's going on? Um, I think putting those two characters together was kind of funny. 
Uh, basically, it led to talk- a really good joke that turned to a really sentimental moment later in the book. Yeah, it was really sad to see all the, the zoo crews, everyone died. It was like, holy well, shit. Well, and uh, Gardner goes to uh, John Stewart, and this is like, it's been a really weird day. Like, I've gotten emotional support from a cartoon carrot, and uh, something he says something else, and John's yeah. just like, Captain Carrot's a good dude. Yeah, Because yeah, exactly. <laughs> John Stewart understands the life. Right, he does, he gets it. Um, only six Earths remain, but Owlman has John Stewart captured, and the reason Owlman's doing all this, and you know the Justice League are trying to take back the the towers that are using like the the multiverse power, are harvesting the antimatter. I think some weird comic book science. But Owlman is upset because he was the original evil Batman. Like he was the original evil counterpart Batman, which now you have. The Batman who laughs, which is like, okay, but I was here first, dude. And that's the whole plot. Like, he's just upset that, like, like, okay, maybe. And then and he has conversations with John Stewart, like, okay, maybe I want to help Perpetual, but also I don't because I was the original. And it's kind of, it's funny because, like, him being selfish about it, it's like, that's true to his character as Owlman, right? And they talk about, like, the Owlmans throughout the, each crisis and i was like holy shit this is like really good um so, yeah so john like tells him like you may you may be the quote-unquote original but you're not the first owl man yeah and they talk about the three different versions of owl man through different crises right and he realizes like even if the universe ends owl man will live on yeah which is really funny yeah like that's all and i cared about <laughs> so that was part of his big sacrifice was like Okay, I'll sacrifice because I know when this is all set back to normal, there will oh, be another three, and yeah. Owl Man will be there. So yeah, and it's awesome. Um, the Rainbow Batman Corpse core shows up to like stop, put a stop to the heroes from taking over the towers. We find out that Owl Man, because he's Owl Man, you know, counterpart to Batman, he's already rigged all of the towers to blow up because he always has to have one up on everyone. Um, one of the the leader of the Rainbow Batman Corps is a baby Batman, and it's like he's got a jetpack. It's so ridiculous. It's Modoc Batman. It's Modoc Batman as well. I was I I laughed audibly after seeing that because I'm like, it's Modoc Batman. It's a giant fat Batman. Yeah. In a suit that makes him fly around with right. rockets on it. It's a Modoc yep. Batman. Modoc Batman for sure. <laughs> it was a great story. Uh, Alvin blows up the towers, saves everyone sacrifices himself because he knows he will re- be reborn within the multiverse. Awesome. And it, it, it it's connected to the plot of what's going on with Perpetua, so I thought it was a great story. Yeah, Crime Syndicate, Captain Carrot, yeah. uh, pretty decent story, and the they did like an evil version of the Rainbow Batman, which, I don't know, I have a soft spot for Rainbow Batman. Yeah, everything about that's awesome. I loved it. Yeah. It was a great issue. James Tinian, man, and, got newfound respect for him. Yeah, and I gotta say, like, we have shit on James Tinian a lot over the years. Yep. He has really found his groove, and I think he's writing some really great comics right now. For sure. Obviously, I've not read Batman, but he's done a lot with this metal stuff, and mm-hmm. I have a book that he did uh, with Image that I'm going to talk about later, but cool. he's turned to one of the top-tier writers. Um, oh, I skipped over this one. Rogue Planet number five. Did you read that? I didn't. Uh, so I'm pretty sure this might be the end to either the first story arc or the story as a whole. Um, the, the the remaining human um, finds a crashed ship where 
something is transmitting from it, like all the power that's happening on the planet is coming from. Uh, basically, there's an alien life form within the within like a cryo sleep chamber in the ship, and he's a really strong telepath, and that's where all this shit's happening from. Like he's like almost like feeding on everyone's fears and like causing them to be scared. Um, it ends up with like the woman kills the being that's like in the cryo sleep, and I think the end kind of insinuates that all the aliens kind of worship her now, and they built like a statue of her, or she's like crystallized. I don't. It's a lot of it's kind of like left up to speculation. Um, but like one of the aliens says to one of the baby aliens, like, "Don't be scared. Like this is the final visitor. That's like." put an end to all of it so like i don't know if there's a prophecy of that or they already built a statue of her um the all all of them were scared not because of something that was on the planet it was just this thing within a ship releasing psychic energy it was a pretty cool ending um i'm curious to see if they're going to do anything else with it i don't know i i feel like they resolved the issue on that planet so i mean colin bun you know solid solid series um justice league annual number one Rob Venditti doing Justice League. Uh, basically, as a murder mystery, is like Clue, uh, murder in the Justice League headquarters. There's a lot of you know a lot of individual things going on with each Justice League member contributing, and that's what I like in my Justice League books. It's a solid issue. Um, basically, they find out the Eradicator head that they saved in the JL headquarters is controlling all the systems within the uh, Justice League headquarters and turning them against all the heroes. Uh, and they have to team up, you know, work together to beat it, which is really cool. Um, so, so it ties in with his early uh, run, then. Yep, with the Eradicator, yep. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so that was a solid issue. Shang-Chi number one. Uh, awesome. You know, this is the Marvel Kung Fu book I was waiting for, and let me tell you, it did not disappoint. You got Gene Liu and Yang on it, and uh, DK Ruan on the, on the art. Um, so... They give us the pre-story of, okay, the five original deadly warriors defending um, that defended the village against Fing Fang Foom, who is the giant dragon, uh, and how that branches out into the five weapon society. You have like a you have a sword, dagger, spear, fist, hammer. I think I got all of them. Um, yeah, so Basically, we get we flat we fast forward to uh, Shang Chi is part of the fist. Um, he's part of the fist weapons, and he's kind of out of that lifestyle. He's in New York. He's laying low. He works at a bakery. Um, his father is dead. Who was the head of the society for the fist? Uh, basically, the hammer the hammer uh, society gets pissed at what the spear has been doing and kills him. And takes over. So now the other society has come to him in New York City and like, hey, so there's this like, there's this um, sigil that lights up when when someone who's who's the leader of all the other five weapons, when they die, it lights up one of the um, totems, and that's who the next leader is going to be. So Hammer just immediately assumed, oh, I killed him, so I'm going to be the leader. No, the fist one lights up, so Shang Chi has to be the leader now. Um, but he's not in that lifestyle. So they come finding him, basically. He finds out that the leader of the hammer is in charge and the hammer is his sister. So he's thinking, I need to go save my sister from being the leader. But all she cares about is killing her brother because he's supposed to be the rightful leader of the five weapons society. 
it's really cool. I mean, it's kung fu. Each you know each uh, each person is a specialist in a different weapon. I think that idea is really cool too. Um, yeah, I'm gonna keep keep up with it. I think it's I think it's an interesting story. Cool. And that's what I had this week. So I also had uh, Savage Avengers number twelve. This was a getting the gang back together story. Uh, we haven't had this book since uh, pre-COVID, so it's been a while since the book came out. But basically, we start with uh, Doctor Strange and Electra hanging out, you know, bang. Well, oh yeah, um, and they're like, "Hey, we got we got to fight the sorcerer dude," and so they decide they're going to go and find Conan and recruit him back into the group so they can go and try to kill this old uh, sorcerer uh, through a bunch of events. Basically what ends up happening is we meet up with Conan. He has his moment and we find out that not only did they go get Conan, but they also gathered more people for their group. So Wolverine's going to join the team. It was a big last page thing. Wolverine's going to join the team. Hellstrom's going to join the team. Dr. Voodoo will be on the team. Black Widow. So they got like a decent team going forward to try to take care of the sorcerer. It was cool. a good issue. Uh, I really, I, I forgot that I really liked Savage Avengers because it's just mm-hmm. a, a very like, basics like these are brawler, with the exception of Doctor Strange, obviously. Like, just go out there, kill, take care of the enemy uh, type characters. Um. Marvel Zombies Resurrection number two. So in this one, we find out that they're at one point during the zombie plague, S.H.I.E.L.D. decided they were going to take robots to fight the zombies. Yep. Because that's what you do with robots. Of course. And, um, so that's kind of the backstory to where our team goes and they fly over this part of New York that's been taken over by the robots. They create their own city. Okay. And it's kind of cool because you get into the city and like, there's Nimrods, there's uh, Vivian, Vision's daughter. Uh, the Punisher has taken a experimental drug that turned him into a robot, basically. Mm. Uh, and a few others we meet there. And the zombies are fighting against them. And uh, all these robot characters want to transform our Spider-Man and uh, Franklin and uh, Valerie into robots themselves so that they that's their way of saving them like if you're a robot you won't be turned into a zombie but that's not what they want they want to keep their humanity mm-hmm. and then the whole city gets overrun by zombie hulks okay uh scar <laughs> shows up hulk she hulk uh, any hulk zombified it's there all the hulks and they have to run away uh so it was a cool concept uh, like i said the first issue was very like horror bent Mm-hmm. Uh, less away from the superpowers and more just into the we need to survive the zombie apocalypse. And this kind of took a twist of, I mean, it makes sense. Like, S.H.I.E.L.D. has a bunch of LMDs and different robots they could use. Of course they would use it to fight zombies. So I really like this issue. Yeah, why, why would they use it? Speaking of robots, I got oh. X-Ray Robot number two. If anyone remembers, once again, this book hasn't been out since before Corona. <laughs> So we get to where we left off in the first issue, which was the the robot from the future comes back and gets the team. And now they're in this space in between time. And he tells them, like, listen, when you created the X-ray robot, 
you had the best intentions. You sent him back to go kill Hitler. You sent him back to save JFK and all these other uh, major events. But what you did was create splintering timelines that are now about to collapse on top of each other and destroy all of existence. Mm. So now they have to go back and like fix everything along the way. So it, issue two was mostly them explaining like this is the science behind what we're doing and we're going to do that in the next issue. I still think it was really good. Uh, there's a lot of like moments of them floating in this weird space speed force like time thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alra just kills it on the art as he always does. Of course. Um, absolutely. I love Expert Robot. I'm so glad issue two is here and I really recommend people check it out. And then finally, uh, another Tinian book, Department of Truth, number one. Uh, I'll throw it out there right now. Not a huge fan of the art in this issue. It's a little, I mean, it's stylized, but it's a very serious story and a very like down to earth story. And they use a weird style for the art. So take that in if you decide to read it. But basically the story here is that this, our lead character has been trolling these, like going down these groups of basically white nationalists and different uh, conspiracy theorists online and trying to figure out what makes them tick. Like that's what he's doing for uh, his job. Mm-hmm. And he ends up going to this convention that's a flat earth convention and listening oh, to all the speakers and talking to all the speakers. And then he meets these uh, couple of billionaires who are like, listen, this is true. We can prove it to you. Mm-hmm. And they take him on the private jet and they take him to the edge of the world. Yep. Um, he's, this is all done in the context of he's being interrogated by some FBI agent, basically uh-huh. a Mulder and Scully kind of situation. Okay. And he's telling him this whole story. And he's like, and we get there, and not only did you know I see the edge of the world, mm-hmm. but then your people showed up, killed everybody but me, and took me. Oh. And then we had to find out the guys are like, listen, what you saw, you saw, but what happens is, is when conspiracy theories take hold, they become reality. So for us to stop the flat, the Earth from becoming flat is to bring back people to science and say, like, hey. The Earth is round, and if you believe the Earth is round, the Earth will be round. Uh, and he he goes into a lot of detail of like if we don't do this, like how it works and how like it doesn't just turn flat. It's just right, hey, right. like this is how it's always been, so on and so mm-hmm. forth. Um, and there's some really cool moments in there if you're like if you're even somewhat into conspiracy theories. But we're gonna find out is the guy that took him and his told him like you're gonna come and you're gonna work for me i want you to work for me you know these groups you know what how they tick and i need your knowledge to move forward with this uh department and we find out the person in charge of the department is none other than lee harvey oswald oh interesting so i thought it was a really cool premise for a book mm-hmm. uh it's i want to follow it further i think it's really cool cool and um uh, i really i recommend it if you like uh political thriller or conspiracy theories, stuff like that. He delves on a lot of that stuff. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's all I had this week. So, Mike, where can people find you on that internet? They can find me at Fortress Ricker on Twitter. Where can they find you and or the show? They can find me at Fortress Chris or at uh, on Twitter or at uh, chrisrunt.com. That's C H R I S R U N D T dot com. 
Um, I won't bore you with Battle Monsters because Mike already yelled at you in the beginning of the show. Yep. Bye. Um, <laughs> remember, if you're listening to us, to give us a five-star review on whatever podcast you're using, to like, subscribe, share, and comment down below on the YouTube video. Uh, what else is there? Yes, Patreon. Patreon.com slash Forbes Comic News, where for $2 you can get the uh, Bat Friends podcast three days early. And listen, you could have been three days on Bane's luscious cock. Like, that. that's the kind of gold that you're missing out on. Yeah. And- <laughs> you won't get me to talk about that on this podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and, yeah, just go to the website. You'll see everything we do right there. Um, and it's, uh, it's all good stuff. So, everybody, thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next week. 